Hello and welcome to deep, the first off-season deep dish of 2020. Uh, I'm your host, Shepard Price, as always. Uh, with me today is uh, Brandon Kane, manager of Second City Hockey. Hey, hey, that's me. And today we're going to talk not about disappointing and depressing Chicago baseball, but uh, uplifting and hopeful uh, Chicago Blackhawks drafting, which is one of the very few things Stan Bowman seems to be very good at. If you would have asked me last year, I would not have said that because I did not see Kirby Doc being the right pick there, but after that postseason, he clearly was. But we're going to go over the number 17 overall draft pick this year, uh, as well as the second round potential trades they could work in. If they want to move off 17, the prospects they'll probably look to take with 17 because the Blackhawks probably should draft this year. Brandon, let's start here. Who do you see being available to the Blackhawks at 17? Yeah, so I think when you look at the first round of the draft, there are two segments of players before there's a pool of players for the Blackhawks to select. Mm-hmm. And in that pool for the Blackhawks, um, Dylan Holloway's a center from Wisconsin that could be there. Rodian Amirov is a left wing out of the KHL. Dawson Mercer is a center from Chicoutimi in the QMJHL. And he was actually teammates with Nicholas Bodain um, before Bodain turned pro. So the Blackhawks probably know a lot about Mercer then? Yeah, and that's one of those things where you know, obviously, how the player performs on the ice, but you can talk to Bodain and get to know him off the ice, which I'm fairly certain is something that the Blackhawks care probably more about than most teams. Yeah, especially looking at what they did this year, trading for uh, one of Adam Boquist's teammates from the London Knights. And I'm blanking on his name all of a sudden, but you know Alex his name. Regula. That's right, Regula. Uh, so they clearly like having teammates of their most exciting and young prospects. Yeah, and then there's uh, Henrik Slapier, plays on the same team as Mercer, uh, Connor Zeri, out of the WHL, also a center. Brendan Brizen, center from Chicago Steel, might be a bit of a reach, but he's there. Um, and then there's two defensemen from the WHL, Braden Schneider, who's a right-handed shot, and then Caden Gooley, who is a left-handed shot from Prince Alberta, which is where Jeremy Colleton played his junior days. Hmm. And the Blackhawks are much more likely to take Gooley if he's there, right? Because we have or the Blackhawks have a stockpile of right-handed defensemen now? Not only do they have a stockpile of right-handed defensemen, they are young and they have a higher ceiling. You have Adam Boquist, Ian Mitchell, and now Wyatt Kalnuck and Alec Regula. So they're all right there. Um, and then on the left Carlson, side. Yeah, Lucas Carlson, Dennis Gilbert have – I believe they both have one year left on their deal, so – yeah. They're there, but their ceiling isn't as high. And if they were to pick Gooley there, then you would expect the same pattern with CHL prospects that are mid-round first-rounders where they have one more year playing in the CHL and then they turn pro. And then maybe they have a year in the AHL or they bypass it completely and then they're there in the NHL. Yeah. And on the left side of the defense, the Blackhawks only have Vlasic and Bowden right right now, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, there's there's Carlson and Gilbert, like I had mentioned, but um, yeah. as far as like your younger, I guess, defensemen where you would see them benefiting long term, those are the guys. Yeah. And they're they have the, they have the right side pretty much figured out now. 
Um, seems like it. We were, so we're sort of second city hockey has been writing a series of posts about these players that'll be available to the Blackhawks at 17 or should be. Um, who ha- having written about some of the players and reading about what me and Dave had to say about other ones of them. Um, who do you see as probably the best and like your preferred target of that group? The two that have been sticking out to me are Dawson Mercer and Dylan Holloway. Uh, Holloway is a better skater than Mercer, but Mercer seems to think the game better and be able to draw defenders in more in the offensive zone and be able to find his teammates where Holloway is more of a straight ahead guy, um, which is good and that's fine. Um, But it just seems like, Mercer fits the profile better for what the Blackhawks would want. Hendrick Lapierre is very interesting because he was talked about being a top 10 pick and then he had a concussion and then a neck injury that shortened his season. And he was supposed to come back before COVID-19 pandemic shut down the CHL uh, back in March. But it sounds strange to say it, but it being a neck injury and not another concussion kind of helps his draft stock in a way. Yeah. He's still in like this mid round area. Um, but it's just weird to say like 18, 19 year old kid, if he stays healthy, that projection of a top 10 skill set being yes. available in the mid round is very enticing. Yeah. He's one, he's like one of the most creative offensive players in this draft. Like the question is, can he stay healthy? And like, Looking at what he's done in the preseason for in the QMJHL so far, he's looked like the top ten skill set that he is. Um, that's one of my most interesting picks too. Is that like he's incredible? It's just like can he stay on the ice to to show that incredibility, incredibleness? Uh, and then my other two guys are people who might not be there. Seth Jarvis of Portland in the WHL is somebody who really excites me. Um, because he's a very high danger minded player who gets to the net front and the crease and just does scores 30, 30 goals and works very well in the offensive zone. And then Connor Zary from Kamloops in the WHL um, because he's another one of those very offensive minded sort of players, but he's got less skating ability but he, he looks like a finisher and somebody who, who the Blackhawks could get goals out of. And that's what they're probably going to be looking for this year. But as we're talking about all, all these centers, um, that's not really what the Blackhawks need because Kirby Doc's shown the ability to potentially be their first line center of the future. Um, and Jonathan Taze will still be here for years. So what do you see as their actual positions of need coming up? Uh, when you look at the prospect pool, it is 100% right wing is the dire position group that they need to fill. Uh, right now, they only have three true uh, right wings in the system, and that's Alti Bermakian, Nicholas Nordgren, and Mackenzie Entenwistle. People have said that, you know, Phil Kirsch have probably transitions to right wing in the NHL if he were to get there and all signs point that that will happen. Who knows what becomes of Entwistle? He looks like a solid depth player right now. Um, 
maybe when Arthur Kayumov can come over from Russia in two years, he can play both sides, but right now he's at left wing. And they just don't have anyone that has that top nine potential right now that has shown that they can stay healthy, produce, and be a playmaker. Right. That's what they like. That's what you're looking for right now is that like you have in your top six for the future, both or should you should have Dominique Kubalik and Alex Dabrinkat on the left. And that makes your left side incredible, but your right side is still lacking that elite talent, which is why the Blackhawks probably should be looking for those right wings um, or centers. Uh, as you said before the podcast, right, or centers who can shoot right, who can transition into being a right wing. And who, looking at those players or players like that who could be available, who do you see at right wing the Blackhawks having the potential to take? Just as like a right wing, I think Mercer is the guy there. But there's also Jacob Perot, uh, who's the son of the Blackhawks coach, Yannick Perot, who could be there, probably will be there. And the Blackhawks probably know a lot about Perot, knowing his father. So that might be somebody interesting as well to look at because he's very he's writing about him today he's he looks a lot like Alex Debrinkat with the same faults that Debrinkat had in this draft year where he's not a great skater but he does everything well offensively um and he even back checks pretty well uh and he plays hard um and wins battles against bigger opponents so very Alex Debrinkat like uh just on the right side and that could be somebody to look at too going a little bit deeper than 17 though who do you see being available in the second round for the Blackhawks? Oh, the second round. Uh, so they have the 46th overall pick. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that is not one where you have to go for a defenseman because they did last year. So I yeah. think still the forward mindset. Um, again, right wing is the most dire position group, but going to mispronounce these, but um, – <laughs> Thomas Bordell, um, he's from the development program, and he's going to be a freshman at Michigan, uh, which is going to be one of those college teams that gets a lot of hype that might not live up to it. <laughs> Just yeah, like, that like last year. Right, has the Frozen Four expectations, but probably doesn't go to the Frozen Four. Not even that. Just like a contender to win the Big Ten and like be an exciting team. Yeah. Jean-Luc Fowdy from Windsor. Who's another right wing. Yeah. Luke Tuck, who's a left wing from the program. Whose brother showed up very well against the Blackhawks in the, play, in the postseason. Yeah. He sure did. I think those would be the main targets uh, as far as, like, them staying in their position in the second round. Yeah. Do you think it's possible that they move up? Uh, they could because, I mean, they do have two – picks in the third round so they could trade one of those but then you run into the problem of they don't know and neither does the team that they would be trading with how high that third pick would be because you would think that they would want the pick that is the conditional one where um, it's either going to be 81 or I think it's before their the first one that they have 76. So you would yeah. think that a team would want the conditional one in case it is 
the one that Edmonton decides, oh, we'll give this to Calgary, i.e. giving it to Chicago. So they would get the 75th pick, 76th pick, and then Chicago would stay at 79 instead of having 76 and 79. So I think it is an option. I don't think it's going to be a massive jump if they were to. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's in play. Right. Because both Jan Meistek and Sam Colangelo are projected to go in like the late 30s, and the Blackhawks would have interest in both of those players. With Colangelo being from Chicago's USH in the in the USHL, and then Mystack being from Hamilton in the OHL, and well. also playing with uh, Michael Tepley. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That like that same thing where they know their uh, highest prospects teammates pretty well, because Tepley's in a Tepley right now looks like a really good left wing going forward. Because Tepley probably projects as a good NHL player right now. Is there anyone like that you see in the second round that you would want the Blackhawks to like avoid? To avoid? Yeah. Or I guess position wise either. Yeah. Manny uh, Elk, who used to do Corsica, has always had a take that I've somewhat agree with, but that I somewhat disagree with, but I somewhat agree with, especially now looking at the number one pick, the number one overall pick from 2019. Uh, and that's um, US and TDP players don't, typically transition the best to the NHL because it's really hard after like 2007 and Patrick Kane to name a great U.S. NTDP player besides maybe Quinn Hughes, but you can say Quinn Hughes got better because he went through the NCAA and that's not something Jack did. So I would not like to take Luke Tuck, especially because again, he's a left wing and the Blackhawks have a surplus of players on the left. I would not mind the Blackhawks taking two right wings in this draft. Um, or two players who can play the right, who shoot right, because we've talked about how they're stacked on the left already. Like, they don't need really to acquire any more skill there. Because even, like, players like Pius Suter, who could slot in, in the NHL this year, play the left. Um, so finding players who, to play on the right or finding left-handed defensemen is probably what they should be looking to do. Yeah, I'd agree with that, because it's just – not only a positional need, but based on the skill level too. Yeah. That's the, that's the other part that needs to be taken into account because you need to replenish that as well. Um, and then you can kind of weave through the rest of the draft doing whatever you need. Right. And you can, you can go best player available. You can go goaltender, which is another position the Blackhawks might be looking to add. Um, especially with, with two third, or third round picks potentially this year. You sort of grab third uh, difficult tenders there. The Blackhawks probably should draft this year, but if they don't draft at 17, do you see them moving up or down within the first round? Um, I could see them moving, wanting to move up Yeah, a few spots because they already have two third round picks. Yeah. I don't see them moving down because that – seems like the compensation that's normally done to move down in a draft is right. you get a third or a fourth. And I don't really know how much value it is to have three third round picks. Now, if they were to like drop dramatically, like more than five spots, I think in the first round, that would be surprising to me yeah. because they were, they were in the position to have a top 10 pick. And then they won the qualifier series, and then that kicked them out of that, 
option um or to like guarantee them rather yeah that's that's how i view that um yeah i mean there are dark horse candidates the blackhawks could look at deeper in the first round like noel, noel gunler from uh lulea in the shl could be someone who is a great goal scorer and is a right wing but who's predicted to go like 31st overall they could probably they might be willing to drop to him if the return is right especially because the san jose sharks need who are drafting at 31 right now need better talent next year and going forward. But I also don't see that. I can see them moving up because Dylan Holloway, who's someone you have mentioned, is projected to go in the, in the high teens. Um, and that's someone they could really want playing, playing with Wisconsin. And someone that they've seen a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Like if they're really sold on him, move up three spots, four spots. But besides that, like, I don't see them moving a whole ton. However, there is the possibility with a frozen cap and teams needing to unload contracts that they could just move the pick entirely as well as a little bit more to acquire. Like we've said, a left-handed, a left-handed defenseman is something the team urgently needs. Um, and probably not just this season, but going forward. So Mike Mikhail Sergachev could be an option because the Tampa Bay Lightning are in the, in the position the Blackhawks were in in 2010 where they need to offload contracts, but unlike the Blackhawks in 2010, they don't, they've given out a ton of no, no move contract, no move clauses. And that could present a problem for re-signing great young player, players like Sergachev or the blues who probably look to re-sign Alex Petrangelo will probably need to move a defenseman. And there's two great defensemen in St. Louis who they can move in Pareko and Dunn. So there are options, I think of teams who would be willing for that would be willing to trade those great players for 17 overall. It's just, especially the blues players, highly unlikely. And let me just going off of that. Let me ask you this. Is there any player out there who you think might be available or has been rumored to be available that you'd be willing to move 17 for overall for? I don't think they will at all. Yeah. I think that they just are fine moving up if they can. Yeah. And Looking at that Holloway. Yeah, or, I mean, a player that they think might be a fit for a certain organization and being like, well, we think they're going to take him, so let's just do it now and pull the trigger on this trade. Um, But I think that they really value having uh, this pick where they have it, uh, knowing that they'd be in a different tier of players if they didn't win that qualifier series, but also believing that there is long-term benefits to them having won this qualifier series. Yeah. Getting Alex to bring cat uh, playoff experiences, even, even without scoring a goal until late in the series against Vegas, getting him that playoff experience and Kirby doc looking like a star in the, in the playoffs and Adam Boquist not looking great, but, getting some experience probably helps the team long-term. Yeah. Cause it's, there's like the confidence element to it, but then there's also the, like, this is where you have to be. Yeah. Aspect that young players benefit from playing in the postseason Cause it's like, Oh, like this is different. Right. Than regular season play. And this is why it is. And this is where, I need to improve my game and how I can go about that in the off season to accomplish that. 
yeah, especially playing a team like Vegas who went to the Western Conference final and looks to be a contender for years to come, knowing like how you, you need to play against them, knowing what it took to win that one game they won. Uh, that probably helps them understand how they need to change their games and become better. So what is your philosophy on drafting goalies? If Askarov was at, fell to 17th somehow, I'd be all for drafting Askarov, but I don't see anybody in the second round worth taking at 46. Mm-hmm. Um, because most of the goaltenders uh, available in the second round will probably be available in the third round. And probably using one of those third round picks on a goaltender makes sense. Definitely, like especially Nico Dawes if he's if he falls or someone like that. And Nico Dawes is a former teammate of Mackenzie Entwistle and juniors too. So there's another yeah. connection. Um, I think that every other year, take a goalie because hell, you might hit with one of them. I don't, yeah. I don't think every year is, is necessary, but every other year, why not? Like, right, especially because there's no, like, we, the Blackhawks don't have a Thatcher Demko in the system right now. At least we don't, at least looking, at least looking from the outside, it doesn't appear they do. Kevin Lankin could turn it on and become Elvis Miller's Lurkins, but it's not looking like it. Yeah, they're not drafting goalies. <laughs> yeah, they're not drafting and developing goaltenders. Yeah, they do have a goalie scout, uh, which is somewhat rare in the NHL with Dan Ellis, who joined the organization in 2017. Uh, granted, they have taken two goaltenders since then, and one of them is no longer in the organization, but that's more of the like the CHL route and the pressure that it puts on the organization for the player to deliver and then for you to be like, yeah, it's worth a contract for him. With Alexis, yeah. and it just the oh, injury that they, he sustained early in the season just like derailed him. Yeah, so they moved off of Gravel. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so I'd be fine if they were to take a goalie with one of the picks in the third round or fourth or fifth. So. Yeah, and they have a lot of picks. <laughs> throughout fourth or third, fourth and fifth. So, yeah. And it always seems that the goal, the Blackhawks like big goalies instead of more small athletic goalies. But I think that's because in junior, you see the more athletic goalies are having success, but then that doesn't always translate to the program. Yeah. Um, there, there are some exceptions, but um <clears throat> It, uh, it's just a position that's really hard to judge and project. <laughs> right, and the Blackhawks probably having had their franchise goaltender be somebody who's pretty big and not athletic, really, uh, who just knows his angles throughout the 2010s. That probably informs how they look at goaltenders and who they want and net for them going forward. Yeah, and there's such a long development curve with them. Uh, yeah. Where it could be they draft a goalie now and the goalie doesn't appear in the NHL till like 2024. <laughs> yeah. And they've lost some of that uh, athleticism and player and big goaltenders don't lose that size. 
Pecorine has never stopped being big. So it's score goalie goal. I was there. The bad memory we have all forgotten about because of 2020 happening since then. Because it took you took me till just when you reminded me to remember that Pecorine scored a goal, a goal on us. But yeah, like the Blackhawks, especially like looking at what they did in 2019, where they signed Robin Leonard and they had two goaltenders who aren't very athletic but play big and play their angles correctly. It's, it's pretty clear how Blackhawks look at goaltenders and want size and intelligence more than athleticism. Anyway, you got, enough, you got anything else to say about the draft coming up? With both, I, I tweeted this from the SDH account. Um, yeah. <clears throat> with the Cubs and White Sox out of the postseason, really looking forward to Tuesday and Wednesday on Twitter with the draft to seeing all Blackhawks fans direct their anger towards the team drafting the wrong teenage kid that they've never heard of or yes, but they don't know a ton about. Uh, and that's, that's just like such a rare phenomenon with hockey and baseball where odds are you probably never watched this guy play, but you read like one scouting report about the guy that was taken two spots earlier and you're like, Oh, what the hell they should have traded up or the opposite where it's a guy that was picked two picks after you're like, oh, they should have picked him. Yeah, like I've gotten upset the last two years who the Blackhawks drafted, uh, wrongly probably, because um, I wanted them to take Wallstrom uh, over Boquist, and then I wanted them to take uh, Byram over Doc. Uh, and the Blackhawks scouting department has looked like it's known what it's doing because both those players are better than the player half drafted that would the player I wanted drafted. Because Wallstrom has yet to make the NHL, and Byram. Same case. Well, that's no fault to Byram. Right, right. It takes a while for defensemen to develop, and it took no time for – well, it took some time for Doc to develop. He needed to grow bigger. He was not great in the regular season. And then, the, and then COVID and quarantine was excellent for him. Yeah. I'm trying to think of who I wanted the Blackhawks to take instead of Boquist. One, I didn't think Boquist was going to be available. Yeah, you thought, you thought Vancouver was going to take him? I thought. That's who, that's who I thought was going to take him. Yeah. <clears throat> I didn't think Bar- uh, Barrett Hayden was going to be taken by the Coyotes. Yeah. That, they should have they yeah. really taken. I mean, who knows who they should have taken. Zadina has yet to make the NHL either. Yeah, I thought the Blackhawks would have been wise to take uh, Noah Dobson. Yes. He's that, also made the NHL. Yeah, that was who went with the Islanders. And then I was on the Turcotte Zegris train last year. And all the people who said that like Doc had a better skill set than either of them are looking correct right now. Yeah, so I'm sure in a, in a year from now we'll look back and we'll either be completely wrong or just half wrong. <laughs> yeah. Like, hey, like Dawson Mercer tried to be decent. All right. Well, I don't have anything else. Do you? Nope. Uh, I think that's it for this episode of Monday Morning Deep Dish. Uh, you can follow Brandon on Twitter at Brandon M. Kane. Uh, and you can follow us at 2ND City Hockey. And we'll see you after the draft on Tuesday.